Let us, let's get on into chapter 14 here. <clears throat> if you remember right, last week, as we finished up chapter 13, uh, here in the book of Genesis, <clears throat> we had ultimately uh, Abram and Lot uh, separating, and Lot choosing uh, a piece of land that was down to where he had pitched his tent as far as Sodom, is what you know, the, the scripture had pointed out for us there in, verse, in chapter 13. So this week, <clears throat> we're going to go through chapter 14, and Lord willing, we'll get through chapter 14, but if not, it'll be okay as well. We can pick it up next week also. <clears throat> I tell you, I have put a fair amount of time into trying to figure out a lot of this here, especially in the first part of chapter 14, with, with not a whole lot of result at the end of it. So if I seem to be going pretty fast through this, it's because I just don't have a whole lot of information to add in with what we have written in the verses. Um, so that being said, <clears throat> uh, let us look at the first couple of verses here. And I tried to figure out a way to do this without actually reading them. But just bear with me in the names, and uh, we'll try to get through this. But the first couple of verses says, And it came to pass in the days of Amphrael, Amphrael, king of Shinar, Aok, king of uh, Elasar, Catalamer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that they made war <clears throat> with Bur, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shanabur, king of Ad- uh, Admar, Shimner, king of uh, Zebulun, and the king of Bela, that is Zor. All right. <clears throat> like I said, I, I, I was trying to figure out a way to present this to where I didn't have to go through that and, and really uh, suffer through that. But ultimately, I wanted us to, to see that <clears throat> we had ultimately four kings here uh, in the first verse, uh, where it says they, they, and going on into the second verse, we had five kings where they had made, uh, uh, that the four kings had made war with. But as we go on through the, the next couple of verses, we see a little bit more of what was going on, why there was a war that was about to ensue here, and how this had happened. So in verse 3, we had, it says, all these joined together in the valley of Siddim, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Catalamer, uh, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. All right, so we have, from the best I can tell of what's going on here, the kings there that are written in uh, verse 2 had gone to the valley of Siddim, 
but it, and it says that is the salt sea. And I had made, I think it was last week that I had made mention of this, on how that uh, there is a, a lot of folks that, that believe that when God had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, that it ultimately over, or that the uh, Dead Sea or the Salt Sea had uh, <clears throat> taken over that land, you know, had come upon that land and was un- so. <clears throat> ultimately, at the time that Moses was writing this, uh, this land was under the, the Dead Sea or the Salt Sea, and that's why it was made reference to here, that is the Salt Sea. Um, but also we see why we had a war that was about to ensue here, because in verse 4 it says that for 12 years that these kings had served uh, Catalamer, but in the 13th year they had rebelled against uh, Catalamer. That's pretty much the, the setting of what we've got going on here before we move on into the rest of this. Is there any other thoughts or comments that anybody might have or any kind of additional information that anybody might, anybody might have to, to go along with this? Uh, just in case you were wondering, from what I've read, anyhow, I'm not a big uh, historian that, that, that knows a lot about history, but um, from what I've read... Uh, as far as historically, we don't really have any, any uh, records as far as any of these kings and the lands that they ruled over or what have you either. So we don't really have a whole lot of information here from these kings historically, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen um, because we have God's word that tells us it did. So anything else? Though? All right. Well, let's go on into verse... Five, um, we'll read five through seven all in one, one take here. It says, In the fourteenth year, Catalamer and the kings that were with him came and attacked Rephim in, well, I'll tell you, I'm not going to kill myself through this. You can read through and go on down into the latter part of, um, of verse six where the kings... Uh, where Catalamer and his allies, uh, the other kings there, where they had grouped together and came down, and they were coming down to uh, battle with Sodom and the other uh, four kings there. And as they were traveling through, they went and was battling all these other places. And verse 7 also continues on into that as far as where they were saying that they turned back and uh, and started battling. Oh, it, well, verse seven it says that they turned back, came to in uh, Misfat, that is Kedesh, and attacked all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites who dwelt in Hazen Tamar. All right, the best I could figure out of what's going on here in, these, in this section of Scripture here is where we have the, uh, the King Catalamer, along with the other kings, like I said, was coming over to fight uh, with uh, the kings of Sodom, Gomorrah, and the other uh, kings there. That as they were traveling through and, and 
it was suggested that it could be that they were battling with these other places, uh, kind of a, of a, of a, a booster, as a uh, confidence builder in a sense, uh, as they're fighting with some of these smaller uh, places, and they're overtaking them and, and gathering the plunder from them as well, continuing going on down uh, till they get to uh, Sodom, or to actually to this uh, valley that we're about to talk about here, uh, where they were at. But once again, I'm going to pause for any other thoughts or comments before I go through this. Like I said, I, I try to find a lot of more information about this and uh, um, how it was set up, but just didn't have a whole lot of stuff to, to produce for you guys uh, in this first part here. But it's pretty much just setting the stage of what's about to happen, though. <clears throat> Because in verse 8 it says, And the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of uh, Adamar, the king of uh, Zeobom, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, went out and joined together in, the, in, in battle in the valley of Siddim against Catalamer, king of Elam, title, title king of nations, Amphrael, king of uh, Shinar, and uh, Arach, king of Eleazar, four kings against five. <clears throat> Once again, showing that we have four different kings that had come down and was going into battle with the, with the uh, land that had ultimately started to... Um, rebel against them. <clears throat> so, starting in verse 10, <clears throat> we see how that the battle had, had started going, and we find out how the, the battle had turned out for these kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says, now the valley of Siddim was full of asphalt pits. Some translations will say tar or um, uh, Bitnum, bit, bitnum. Uh, but it says uh, full of tar pit or asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took <clears throat> of all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions, and they went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother, Abram, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, in his goods and departed. All right, so all of this pretty much leading up to what we have going on right here. <clears throat> because we have, uh, which by the way, in verse 10, uh, the way some translations read, it almost makes, you, it almost makes it sound like that the king of Sodom and Gomorrah had fallen into these uh, asphalt pits or these tar pits and had basically died there. But it's not so much the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. It just, it's making reference to how that they were basically uh, retreating from the battle and those that were retreating with them and possibly even some that were attacking them from the kings 
uh, from, Catala- or from the soldiers of Catalaomer and the other kings, how that they had, some of them had fallen into these uh, tar pits uh, and had died there. Now, it doesn't go in and talk about what the, uh, uh, how many people uh, might have been lost here. Uh, it doesn't even talk about really how many people were in battle uh, as far as how many from Sodom, how many from Gomorrah, how many from all the different uh, lands there. And it doesn't even talk about how many came from uh, the, the other land to come over to battle against them. But ultimately, uh, the kings that, that had rebelled against the others had lost. And they had, the, the victorious ones had come in and they had taken all of the goods from Sodom and Gomorrah. And as we see, they had also taken captives, Lot, being, Lot and his family being one of them. And as we'll see, that was uh, a big mistake on their part, yet they probably didn't realize that at the time. So any other thoughts or comments before we keep moving on? Like I said, I'm... I know it seems like I'm moving through this pretty fast. So starting in verse 13, we'll read 13 and 14. It says, Then one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, who dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Ishkol, the brother of uh, Adner, and they were allies with Abram. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now, there's some good information here. Uh, for one, we find that one of the servants of, of Lot had escaped and went to Abram. He had went and told Abram what had happened, how that the, the war had, had broke out and how that they had taken uh, Lot and his family uh, away and kept, you know, as far as captives of war. And, uh, and as we find this, Abram uh, immediately armed up <clears throat> 318, as it says, trained servants that was born in his house. Uh, one interesting aspect of this is that we, we were told back in the last chapter of how the, you know, the two families of, of Lot and, and Abram have gotten, had gotten so big that the land could not, uh, or at least their possessions had gotten so big that their land the land could not support both of them. <clears throat> but we're never told exactly to what extent or how big or how the amount of possessions that they had. And for Abram to have had 318 trained men that were born within his house, for one, that's a lot of people that were, and not to mention these were people that were born in Abram's house. For one, showing that they would be more loyal to Abram, 
because they weren't, uh, uh, they didn't come from another uh, town or what have you uh, to serve Abram, but yet these were uh, born of the servants of Abram in his house, so they would be more loyal to Abram because that was, that would pretty much be the only master, I guess you could say, that they knew. Uh, Another interesting aspect that I wanted to point out was in verse 13, where it talks about how that he had dwelt near the terebinth trees of Mamre, who was uh, an Amorite, who was the brother of Ishkol and the brother of Abner. And it makes reference to how that they were allies with Abram. And honestly, I never really put too much thought into this. <clears throat> but as we, can, as we all know, how allies work, there was, a, there was the thought that they, these other three men that were around him could have also put up men with Abram to go fight against these kings to get Lot and his family and the goods back. So if we think about it in that aspect, and also if you look over and, uh, at the end of this chapter over in verse 24, uh, it talks about you know, the men that were, who went with me, uh, this being Abram speaking, um, speaking of Adner, Ishkelah, and Mamre. So once again, making reference to or making the idea here that they also gave him uh, some servants as well to go fight this battle. Uh, with these, with these other people. And if we, and this is just all, you know, suggestive, I guess you can say, if they was to put up as many men as what Abram was taken with him, there could have been as many as about 1,300 men um, going up to battle, or going out to battle with Abram. Yes, he was making reference to how that last week, of, you know, when Lot had made uh, the choice to go to the uh, more choice land, the greener pastures, if you, as you might want to look at it, that this could be a good instance of how that Lot might have really looked back and thought, hmm, this might not have, should have, this might not have been the best route to go. You know, maybe I should have gone the other way because, you know, in, in his thought, you know, this could have been the end of of him being uh, free, for that matter, you know, and being able to have his own his own property with his own things. Okay, so the land was uh, because the land was more favorable, was also uh, more favorable to others that might come at you or might try to take uh, things that you have as well. Very good. All right, Barb. Okay, so uh, you said that was a commentary note, as far as uh, to go along with the you know, the aspect of him choosing the most favorable land that he had troubles making choices, and when he did make choices, that it was uh, always going to be something that would try to benefit him rather than someone else. Okay. Also, uh, towards the end of these verses uh, that we just read there in. Verse 14, it says that they, they went and pursued as far as Dan. 
keep in mind, Abram was, uh, where he was staying at was just south of Jerusalem, if I remember correctly. And Dan, which is towards the lower end of uh, the region of Palestine there, and Dan would have been up towards the very upper end of, uh, of the region of Palestine. So he, they had pursued this army a, a good little distance there in order to catch up with them. So let's look at uh, <clears throat> verses 15 and 16. It says, He divided uh, his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Huba, which is north of Damascus. Keep in mind, this, that was even further north of Dan, uh, looking at it on a map. Um, so he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. So here we have Abram coming up <clears throat> against uh, these kings that, that had been victorious through all of this as they were, uh, from what I can figure out, they were heading back to their lands. And it says that he'd come up on them at night uh, with all of these men that he had with him and had divided his forces and went in and attacked them at night. So they had basically surrounded the camp and came up into the camp and had attacked them uh, at night while they were trying to rest, which was uh, a good reason on why they would have been uh, pretty victorious here, not to mention the aspect that God was with them through this battle. So regardless of whether or not Abram went up with 318 men or 1,300 men against however many men that that the other uh, kings would have had left, uh, God being with them, he being victorious. And through that, he had, uh, as we read, he he had brought back Lot along with his family and all the all the goods of Lot. And uh, as we see towards the end of this chapter, he would have brought back uh, any other uh, captives of war from the sounds of it, along with uh, all the plunder uh, that would have been taken from them uh, to come back. Verse 17 talks about how that after, um, well, verse 17 says, And the king of Sodom went went out to meet him at the valley of Shaven, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Calamarmer and the kings who were with him. So after, after Abram came back, from this battle, <clears throat> here we have the king of Sodom going over to meet with him uh, in what was called the King's Valley. Now, I tried to find out exactly where that was at, but once again, I don't think anybody really knew 100%, um, but I guess their best guess was somewhere uh, to the southern end of Jerusalem, but don't know for sure. Verse 18, we're going to read verses 18 through 20. And then we're going to come back and make some comments on it and possibly make this on into next week's class as well. 
But it's verse, <clears throat> starting verse 18, it says, <clears throat> Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, Salem um, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Here we have Melchizedek, which the meaning of the word Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And the word Salem, uh, where where it says that he was king of Salem, Salem means uh, peace. So we could easily say that uh, Melchizedek, who was king of righteousness, that's what his name would mean, is the king of peace. As we all, or, or as we may or may not know, <clears throat> over in the book of Hebrews, we have, made, we have mention of uh, this particular uh, spot here. In Hebrews chapter 7 and first, well, pretty much the whole chapter, uh, but it goes back as far as Hebrews chapter 5, I think in verse 5 is where it makes mention of Melchizedek to begin with in Hebrews. But we only read of Melchizedek a couple of times throughout the Bible. We have it here. We have a reference to it in Psalms. I think it's uh, Psalms 110, verse 4, maybe. I can't remember 100% on that verse. And then uh, in the book of Hebrews. And uh, as far as I'm aware, those are the only aspects that we have written about uh, Melchizedek. So we have Melchizedek here who is... Uh, who has come out to see, come out to Abram, and he brings him uh, bread and wine. There's a, there was a, a commentary I was reading here, which I thought was very interesting. I mean, we could probably make a whole class session out of this aspect when we start trying to relate Melchizedek back uh, to how that. Jesus was uh, to be priesthood after the priesthood of Melchizedek, which is what Hebrews uh, is making reference to, uh, as well as Psalms 110. <clears throat> the aspect of, of Melchizedek bringing out bread and wine, this particular uh, commentary is making reference to how that this was a, a symbol of what was to come with the Lord's Supper. Um, and the reason why they make mention of that is because uh, after Abram going up and battling these kings and taking back all the plunder, you know, he really wouldn't have had need for any uh, provisions as far as uh, any kind of food or anything. But it could have just been um, the thoughtfulness of how that Melchizedek was bringing him something especially when we look at the contrast of what the king of Sodom is going to do here in a minute. But ultimately we have <clears throat> Melchizedek, who is obviously the priest of the high God, most high God, because what it says there in verse 18, and he comes out and he blesses Abram. 
and uh, and you know basically just confirms that it it was God that had delivered uh, these enemies into their hand. And I didn't read the last part of verse twenty where it says, "And he gave him a tithe of all." Uh, that being Abram gave uh, Melchizedek a tithe of all uh, that he had there. Without getting into too much detail there, Jim? Yes. So anybody know what, in case you didn't hear Jim, he was asking, does anybody have, has anybody ever thought of why um, we have Melchizedek coming up at this point in time? Why at this point in time did Melchizedek come up? Jeremy? Okay, to reassure or, or um, affirm that to Abram that God was with him? Because of, of how that Abram usually worshipped, or how he always worshipped God whenever God had done something for him, that he went to worship and had run into Melchizedek. All right. Jim? <clears throat> Very good thought. I didn't think about it in that aspect. But in case you didn't hear Jim... He had made reference to how that uh, it could be that the reason why Melchizedek shows up here at this point in time is because from the time at the beginning of chapter 14 all the way up to Michal- till we see Melchizedek here in, uh, in, in verse 18, <clears throat> uh, God was not mentioned at all as far as any kind of planning, as far as uh, the battle, especially when we read about how the Abram had picked up and, and grabbed 318 trained men from his house and, and went after him. Uh, he didn't go to God and, and, and ask him, you know, what, what needed to be done. He didn't go to God and ask him as far as uh, uh, whether or not he needed to go after Lot or anything else, but yet he picked up and went. And that it could be that Melchizedek was brought up here to remind Abram of who's really in charge, of who we need to... to uh, check with before we do anything. Is that, is that pretty much accurate as far as what you had said? Okay. Anything else? Oh, oh, all right. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> we'll pick up there next week.